What's up, man? How you doing? I am chilling, man. How are you doing? Uh, chilling in this COVID pandemic thing, but um, luckily I'm still, you know, alive and well. And I'm glad if you're talking to me, you are too. Man, I'm, we've I mean, we've said this already, but everybody has these things that have made them feel okay during the pandemic. This is one of those things for me. Oh, yes, me like too. This time, this, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, so I just want to reiterate it. It's I hope people were listening, even though we don't post as much as we should. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we post just the right amount. We post it when it makes sense. There you go. Within our lives. I'm not Absolutely. Gonna, you know, put that pressure on, but I hope other people feel go. the same way. I feel that way. Yeah, like this time is great. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. So yeah. Uh, so what's happening today? It's your turn. Yeah, yeah. me. I'm, I've got um, my, uh, an, an old friend coming on. Um, Zabe Bent, and um, this is more of a, this is almost a different take on the usual Radio Zamunda Fair, but not, um, and I'm just really excited to see your um, your reaction to her, and uh, you try to guess what she does and all that stuff, so that's going to be fun. So you're going to cheat again. I see where you're coming from. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Why don't we get into this? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Peace. Claque your doigt devant les jukebox Jukebox, jukebox Je claque des doigts devant les jukebox Jukebox, jukebox Let me do this again Let me do this again Jukebox, jukebox Okay, who are you? I'm Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zimba Dope Shit, yes There we go And um, I've got a special guest because all my guests are special um, <laughs> in the great way, in the in the awesome way. Um, my good friend, and I can't give you um, a lot of detail because of how this stuff works, but mm-hmm. my friend Zabe Bent joins us from the ATL, I should say. Okay, East Coast. Hello, East Coastin. East Coastin down in Georgia, who um, democracy hangs in the balance as we speak. And Zabe has secretly moved just down to uh, Georgia to add her vote to saving democracy. So I appreciate your your time and diligence, Zabe. Not so secretly, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're good. It's good. <laughs> so anyway, um, the way this works, and this is for people who might be just joining us and are not regular Radio Zamunda uh, listeners, and this includes Zabe, so we can get the whole program in order. But mm-hmm. um, so Kwaku and I's um, relationship is always based on him or I putting the other guy onto some dope shit. 
Um, and I'm always like, yo, did you listen to this new album? And he'll be like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know that person. And they, oh, have you seen this movie? And we just go back and forth. And one day somebody said, y'all should make a podcast about the stuff that you turn each other on to. And then Kwaku did us one better. He said, let's bring people that the other person doesn't know. And then we have a conversation while we get to know that person yep. and then figure out what that, why that person is so dope. So I brought my friend Zabe Bentam because I think she's one of the dopest shits that I know. Um, and we'll get into that. So, but the way we start, like Kwaku, since you're my guest, Zabe, Kwake, Kwaku has no idea who you are, what you do. So we oh. off. yes, he has nothing unless he's, well, he's, he's not been able to even look you up because we don't even share the name, nothing. Like I'll be like, we don't even, we don't put any kind of descriptor on it. So I'll be like, yes, my guest, they will be joining us. Gender at free. Clock. Gender yes, so free. We, we don't, we don't even, I can't even give away gender or anything. So Kwaku has no idea who you are. This is the first meeting between you two. So Kwaku right now gets three guesses to try to guess who, what you do. And so I'm okay. going to- This go doesn't ahead. bode well, because when you describe the three guesses, she breaks into laughter. Uh, <laughs> Good luck, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so just to add context to this, we, we kind of have like an unspoken competition to see who can do the better job guessing. Mm -hmm. and, and if you know Anto, you know that he cheats. And so he cheats. <laughs> Typically, he cheats with the people that I bring on. But mm -hmm. now it looks like he's, he's cheating in reverse and bringing people on and making it hard for me to guess. Right, 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 right. So you're this trying to stump each other right now. Yes, yes. A I mean, a little bit, yes. Okay. A little All right. Yes. So. Go ahead, Kwaku. <laughs> what you got, bro? <laughs> um, well, Zabe, um, it's uh, Saturday morning, but um, you still look stylish on a Saturday morning. For me, it's 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, and then also your you're because I, I i'm grasping at straws here after that slight chuckle um your your zoom handle has the word design in it this is true had i known the whole deal i might have done some changes no, but no, this no. is correct what's what's funny about this is he's not gonna guess this in <laughs> i was gonna say what kind of design man yeah yeah, yeah. But it's almost as if you're on his team and you're both in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like I hear you in my head talking about me. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> um, I would, I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say uh, maybe something around uh, um, aesthetic or interior design. No, sir. Blip. Guess number two, bro. See, it's, it's one thing when Anto enjoys it, but Zabe, I'm just meeting you, and the, <laughs> the joy of the torture is real. Um, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Obviously, you're not going to deny it. So <laughs> no, not there. even a little. <laughs> hey, cool. So, um, well, um, uh, Otto, you know, dabbles in, in business. I think he does some dinner theater every once in a while. Um, so maybe I'm going to pivot mm. and uh, go towards either um, uh, set or costume design uh, within the dramatic uh, fields. No, wow. not even close. <laughs> like, uh, like colder, <laughs> colder. <laughs> uh, I love it. 
<laughs> you love it. Oh man, I'm enjoying that's quite a bit. <laughs> yep, yep. Two minutes on the clock, baby. That's it, man. <laughs> We've never even had a timer. I don't even know where this clock is. You're talking about. Um. Okay. Um. Not even close on the last one. Um. Sure. Did I, no, I don't think I said landscape. No, did I? No, I landscape. <laughs> Total landscaping. Uh, <laughs> Total landscaping. Four seasons design. Um, okay. Um, all right. So I'm going to have to. You said I'm getting further away with the clo- with the dramatic arts. Um, would you be possibly uh, like um, someone who's like a roboticist or something that designs uh, digital environments or something like that? I love how you guys set me up with your faces to say. <laughs> you can't see this, but uh, I like it looks like she's thinking deeply. Like, oh, that's a possibility, and then and then the edges of her mouth creep up, and she's like, "No, you." you no, extra blind. super cold. Extra Thank you. Super cold. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no. I'm gonna go hide behind this desk now, underneath it, and curl up. Okay. Um, please, I'd love to hear about what you do. <laughs> Well, technically I'm an urban designer and an engineer, and I focus on transportation projects. So really not any of the things that you have mentioned <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, okay, well. Curveball, right? I'm bringing on, you know, actors and, and all that kind of stuff. So you thought I was just gonna bring another actor on because you don't know nobody besides actors. But I was like, let me throw a Zabe at you and let's hit you with the good stuff. Because for me, I'm just gonna gonna like preempt this for a second. Mm -hmm. I mean, Zabe and I, you know, everybody were on those threads, right? Like, especially during the pandemic and we're like, you know, sort of like cutting on the, you know, political situation and all that stuff. And um, um, we'll we'll get to like the origin, how Zabe and I know each other, but uh, uh, she has a way, and we're gonna get into a lot of, what Zabe does. I, I see her giving me a little bit of the side eye there, but like we're gonna get a lot of it. But um, the, you've heard me talk about sort of like how much I love my neighborhood yep. and how I even want, like I'm still trying to figure out a, a podcast about the neighborhood and why I love my neighborhood and all that. And I've had a, um, I, I would say like a, um, a pedestrian, well, that's a great word, a pedestrian sort of um, understanding of why everything in my neighborhood looks the way it does and mm. and how cities and towns are designed and why they're designed the way they're designed. Um, and then Zabe can speak extemporaneously and sort of beautifully about the stuff that I don't even understand why it's that way. Why do I like that side of town rather than that side of town? And, and Zabe can get real deep in the sausage making and then in sort of the art and the and the um, sort of why we do the things we do. Um, and I I love, I'm trying to get to the, the sort of what are the bones of a neighborhood? What are the, what is the sinew of a neighborhood? Why mm. does this part work as opposed to that part? And Zabe is, first of all, I am putting in Zabe for transportation secretary because um, I don't know who Joe's going for, but I'm like, yo, pull in Zabe. So, that's that's um, that's the setup for what we're going to talk about for the next hour, an hour and a half. Um, mm. 
And the other thing that we do here at uh, Radio Zamunda um, is that we want to go into sort of the origin story. Like, how did Zabe get to where she is now? Like, I want to know the whole thing from the inspiration. How did you get into engineering and, and urban design and all that stuff? But how does Zabe and I know each other? I've known Zabe because I'm, I, I <laughs> from what, like seventh grade? I think so. Seventh grade, right? Wait, were we at Davis together? Oh. I remember your brother at Davis, but you're yes. a couple of years ahead of me. Yes. So, yes. So I am friends. I met Zabe's older brother when my family moved to New Rochelle. Mm. And um, so elementary school, I knew Z uh, Zabe's brother, Evan. And so Evan had a little sister, just like I had a little brother who was, you know, a grade below or two grades below, I forget how it worked. But I've known Zabe since that time. Um, and so she was, you know, Evan's annoying little sister because all little kids are annoying, right? And I'm, then, hurt. I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Yes, yes. And then um, I think you moved away, maybe you guys, didn't you move yeah. away like high school, right? Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, community. the lovely town of Plantation, Florida. Oh, we can talk about that at some point too. Yes. Ooh, they moved <laughs> black people yeah. to Plantation, Florida. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that part, dude. Wow. <laughs> yes. So went down to Florida. What I can't even imagine, Zabe, you in any part of Florida besides maybe Miami. Like just, just aesthetically, perhaps like on a vacation, but like living down in Florida. No. Can we jump? Can we jump to that really quick? Was yeah, there? Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. amazing opportunity for a house or something like what what sparred that move i know we're jumping ahead but no no plantation, florida <laughs> i mean there's so much to say there um part of it i think is wanting to own a house with a lawn and all that stuff and right. we didn't we lived in Rochelle, um kind of close to the downtown yep. in an apartment building and my family's jamaican i was born there we still have a lot of ties there like I would say about half of my family still lives in Jamaica, including my younger brother. And they wanted to be closer to home. Mm. They wanted a house and a yard and all those things. And we moved to like a very suburban living after living in downtown New Rochelle, which I think a lot of people think is like Scarsdale. But mm -hmm. for me, like where I lived, I was like, this might as well be Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, was, it was a little bit of a culture shock to mm. go down there. We'll just say that. Wow. Little tiny bit. It was also, I mean, Nourishell, I'm sure Ato has talked about this before, but Nourishell is a pretty diverse yeah. community, especially, I mean, we had one high school for everybody. So going down to South Florida was like, where, 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 where are all the people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know. It's funny. I it a reverse experience because we were born up and I was my brother and I were born up in Schenectady, New York. So that was like zero diversity. Like we were the diversity. And then we moved to New Rochelle and we were like, look at all, not just black people, but like everybody's down here. It's like, wow, mm. this is a different world. And I had no idea. My my little country boy mind had to open up. It's like, wow, this is cool. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing, man. We are, okay, we'll, we'll go deeper. And I feel like yeah. I had the opposite experience. I was born in the Bronx. And my parents moved up to Rockland County, oh, yeah. where it's just like, I thought Puerto Rican people were white for the first five years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 
there's a whole new flavor going on up here. <laughs> so, yeah, and I've been to New Rochelle. It is not Florida. <laughs> it's just not Florida. Okay, all right. I should say that Florida is not a terrible place. It was just not the place for me. I graduated high school. I left. Florida, that, that Florida means well. It, Florida is a nice personality. Is that, I, I'm not sure what we're saying here. Yeah. Right. Yes. yes. In the right. current climate, that is a different statement. Yeah. Same back then. Yes. Wow. Okay. Fair. Fair. Yes. All right. yes. Let, yes. Let's take it from the beginning then. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm and it's, I'm 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 not just saying this to say this, but I did. I was thinking landscape architecture. I love I, this. I, I I did. I was like, did I say landscape designer or whatever? Anyway, I love this topic. Mm-hmm. I love this topic. Um, and I cannot wait to dig into it. So, um, you're. Can we start from the beginning? You're growing up in New Rochelle. Are you the type of person that would? Um, always be inspired by physical spaces how is oh you know what I mean like is there a point where you noticed that hey this is something that I like or I always pick up on I mean I didn't really think about it too much at that point when I was growing up part of it I was really interested in architecture um I am that kid who would draw like comic book figures and write comic book stories as a kid. I was really into Marvel comics as a kid. And the combination of art and maths, I was always the kid who was like doing sums in my head and all that stuff. So, you know, I was like, oh, let's do physics classes. Let's do art studio. And the ability to combine those things through architecture was really interesting and fascinating to me. And I I love being able to walk everywhere where I lived and I was like, shouldn't everybody have this opportunity? That would be really cool. How old um, are you when you're thinking that? Young, like eight, nine, ten years old. Huh. Uh, partly because, I mean, as I said, I was, I was born in Jamaica, so we would spend a lot of time going back and forth and visiting family in other places. And I remember feeling like the most at home, the most free in places where we could walk around on our own, mm-hmm. where we could kind of like, get the lay of the land and just kind of run around and meet up with kids and you know like city living right and I remember feeling very weird about places where we couldn't do that right and that really appealed to me and at the time as a child I didn't know urban planning urban studies any of those things were available to me I didn't know that that was a a school of thought I didn't know it was a class or a major you could have I didn't know any of that stuff so it was like all architecture for me then I went to school um for undergrad and I was like y'all don't sleep yeah ever (laughs) Ever? I mean I would get so many times I'd be in architecture studio three o'clock in the morning and I'm like no this is not this is not the life I can't do this (laughs) I can't I can't do this yeah and in undergrad and then just like taking my time between grads undergrad and grad school I realized oh there there is another path and so then I got into urban planning and I'm like telling you the whole story now. I got into urban planning and then I realized that, uh, yeah, a lot of transportation decisions are made by engineers and by engineering sort of practices. And I was like, okay, I need, I need to understand this better. Okay. And that's when I ended up in engineering school. Just, just a side uh, question <laughs> about architecture because I remember experiencing that with my architecture friends undergrad. Like they, you, you saw them, um, you know, on opening day or whatever you call it, uh, you know, um, in the in the dorm, and then they disappeared. What the hell were you all doing? Like, because 
I mean, I had a pretty hard major, but like, you'd see me at the bar on the weekend, like, like, you'd see me go back to the dorm and go to bed. Like, what were you all doing? I mean, this is interesting to talk to other types of artists about this. And Otto knows this about me as well. Like, I have a lot of creative outlets. Yes. Which we can talk about. I'm not yes, going to jump the gun on that. Well, I know you, you have a plan, so, okay. Um, and I really needed those creative outlets. But I think one of the things with a lot of artist types is you get to a place where you're like, you have this idea and you're sort of mulling it around and you're trying it out a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. And then you have a deadline mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I need to make this work now. So I'm just going to keep working till it's done because now I've figured out like, this is the idea that mm-hmm. I'm going to like run with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of procrastination in the art world. So, it's <laughs> <There> it <is>. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all know this. I mean, yep. so yeah, a lot of times you'd be like, okay, I've got this idea. I've been sketching it and sketching it and sketching it. And now you're like, okay, well, I have to make it look real now, or I have to build a model now or yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about the practice where you're constantly iterating until it's, until it's done. Mm. It, is, it is the way of architects. It is fascinating to me. And I was like, I need more sleep than this, y'all. I just can't, yeah. I can't hang. Can't yeah. do it. There, there was a moment where I flirted with architecture because I, I feel like we, um, I did not know about the Marvel comic thing, but I feel like we, um, we sort of grew up the same way, like with the same sort of, you know, uh, pursuits and hobbies, because that was the same way with like Marvel comics and drawing them and writing stories. And so um, it's interesting, the transition that kind of we both made in a way, um, because, you know, I was an engineer as well, like, why did you, was engineering, just because we all have immigrant parents, right, was engineering the thing that you sort of did practically, or did you actually say, oh, yeah, I like engineering? I am one of those weirdos who actually does like engineering. Yeah. Um, I love that there is an, an immediate answer as well as a creative answer. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's what attracted me to architecture is the drawing and the sketching and like seeing spaces and how people move through the spaces and the overlap to just being able to, to live your life and, and how getting around the city is impacted by the built environment. Mm-hmm. But I actually do like that there is, there's an answer that you can get that you still have to put in context. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, a math thing. It's like the creative side of math. I love that about engineering. Right. I, I love it. I, I, did rem- I did remember loving that as well. Um, uh, but I went into chemical engineering, so there's, there's, not, there's not the same sort of parallel. But I did love you know, mass and energy balances and saying that, oh, there's one energy in the world, and we're just sort of transferring the energy to different sort of bits of matter. And, and then that drifts into something else, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I also was like, I, I didn't feel like the sort of creative side that I always had with the drawing and the writing and the like mm. the music was even there. And so I, I sort of went through a period of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And architecture was one of the things because I was like, well, they draw. Okay, that, that sounds cool. They draw. So <laughs> I, I, I used to be able to draw. So it's interesting how we get into the different things that we do. So now you so now you're in engineering, you are now figuring Ooh, before out- we move on. Before you move on, yes, before yes, you move on, I, I, I wanted to ask this question. I feel like it's this is interesting because you're you're really digging in on the science side of this, um, and I guess I have a, a design question for you, Zabe. Did you do you feel that the oh back up? 
the creative process, there's a lot within it where um, the searching piece that you described, the idea of like, you have the idea and you're searching for the way to, to crystallize mm -hmm. it and make it real. And some people create in a space where they never really have deadlines or the deadlines are so far away that they, they have the room to search for a while until they end up in a place where they're happy and that adrenaline or that excitement of landing in the place pushes them to their mm -hmm. final piece. So it's like the, the piece determines when it's ready through their searching. But what you're describing is wanting a tangible deadline and, or an end, you know what I mean? Cause it's not like you're, you're painting a painting where it's like, all right, when it's ready, it's ready. But it's sort mm -hmm. of like, this area is gonna be occupied by this date. We know mm -hmm. that these people are gonna be here. These businesses are gonna be here. We know that this is the effect that we want this space to have. Do you feel that your design process flourishes more under design constraints like that, as opposed to the freedom of being able to search until your creativity and your, um, and your vision meet each other in a place? Sorry, I, I know I'm starting with a big question. Kind of no, I'm like, that's a big question. Um, yeah. I would say it really depends. And it, it's one of the reasons that I've still kept up with my creative outlets while I'm doing transportation projects, because transportation projects, there are intermediate deadlines, you, you have a deadline to get like the, the planning study done, you have a deadline to get the environmental clearance done, you have a deadline to get like, the engineering analysis, and then, you know, actually getting the construction documents and, you know, all these different pieces. Those, those things all have deadlines, but it takes, you know, years, if not, there are projects that I've worked on that are decades in the making. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for being able to go back and iterate through each of those processes, but it is a long time to wait. So I also appreciate being able to, you know, go into a, a different creative space and create something that is on my own timeline and a much shorter one, hopefully. Mm. Um, and having that balance has been really helpful to me because I appreciate being able to draw like what the street should look like or where the street should be in the city. Um, but it takes, literally decades to get that done, which wow. is a different sort of problem yeah. for, for our times, for, for people who need mobility improvements, accessibility improvements every day. Um, that is frustrating to mm. me as a, as a human and as a, a policymaker and a designer, but I appreciate the ability to go back and, and iterate at each step of the process. I just wish it were faster. Right. Interesting. And, and it feels like um, I think in some of the brief conversations you and I have, because, you know, me being sort of a, a novice appreciator of urban design and arts and somebody who's like, oh, wait, um, so why is this sidewalk here? And why is that rail station there? And you know what I mean? Uh, and it feels like if you were to start urban planning now, you have to sort of unanchor everything that's already there, right? It's like, it, it feels to me like uh, you don't have a blank piece of paper, you have a whole painting that you have to sort of erase or 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 redesign completely. Touch up. Say again? Or even touch up. Like or touch up, but, yeah. I mean, but it, it, it feels like, in, in some of the conversations you and I have had, uh, Zabe, it, it, it feels like it's almost like you need to rip the whole thing out and start over again, right? Because once you start, once you, once I started, you know, going a little bit down that path and be like, oh, this is all wrong. Like it, it, it's all silly. It's all designed around cars most of the time. And 
um, I think one time you pointed out, well, like what's more important? It's like the person needs to get somewhere. It's not the car that needs to get there. It's the, it's the person. So like, how is this designed? So when I'm riding my bike on New York City streets, I'm like, oh, none of this has to be this way. But why is it this way? So um, I, I think that's part of the inspiration or it, let me put words in your mouth and then you spit out the ones that uh, um, don't make any sense. But it feels like I think part of your passion is sort of getting our minds, you know, people like me, the, the regular users of these streets, not the policymakers, to sort of even think about what a city could be and sort of from a grassroots up use that power to get that change because I don't think it's going to be a top down thing. It's going to be perhaps a bottom up thing. Like we have to demand these kinds of things. I think there's definitely an, an element of that because, I mean, I spent a lot of time trying to get the policymakers to understand where, you know, the, the sort of the everyday user and everyday resident, you know, business owner, whatever it is, um, getting those two places to, to meet mm -hmm. and trying to find the design that will work um, within that context. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the, it makes it easier to do that when the everyday you know, user, pedestrian, transit rider, whatever, gets it mm -hmm. and can advocate for themselves or at least articulate what it is that the problems are, or what it, it is that they need and understand the sort of environment that they're living and working in. Uh, transportation is a really interesting thing because it's not typically seen as a use in and of itself. It's, it's something that you, you do to get to where you actually want to be, right? Mm -hmm but your experience of the city is completely colored by how you get around it, right? Like if you're walking along a street or riding along a street, you see it very differently than, okay. Sounds are Brooklyn. That's Myrtle Avenue. <laughs> yeah, sounds are, that's, Myrtle that's Myrtle. Myrtle. Baby, <laughs> yeah, but if you're, if you're walking along a street or riding, you see it really differently than if you're on a bus or if you're in your car or if, I mean, if you're on a subway, then you're bypassing a lot of what the city looks like in some cases. And I think people should have access to all of those things. I'm, I, a lot of people see me as this person who hates cars. And I'm like, no, I don't. You just can't drive it all day, every day, everywhere. That right. just, it just doesn't make any sense. I hate cars. You, you can do that. That's, that's your right. You know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, I think, I think to the extent that people understand a little bit more about how cities are built around their transportation network, it'll make it easier for them to advocate for the things they want. Um, until that happens, I think people like me who are in this place should do the best job that we can of advocating for people. Right. And, and is it, do you feel that, I mean, I feel like when we talk about cars and, you know, sort of big transportation projects, it feels like this is one of the many things that has a, has a real sort of imbalance of power, right? Like the car companies and the oil companies and the big sort of engineering companies have the lobby to get their product out there. So of course, the little people don't have the voice to say, well, we want a city that's a walking city. We want a city that we have actual bike lanes that cars can't go into, right? Because we don't have the lobbying power to say that. Whereas, you know, all the car companies have all the money to say, well, no, we just want a bigger highway here. So we can 
drive more of our cars down the line. Now, it feels like there's more people, um, it, it feels like that's what the imbalance is in that cities historically have always been designed from the top down where it's like, hmm. well, the people that are in power want these things. So th these things like cars or whatever in there. So they are going to sort of lobby for that. And that's why all of our cities look the way they do. Whereas if in, you know, 1920, Zabe was designing New York City, it would look completely different, or people like Zabe were designing it. Is that sort of like, I, I don't know, the, the, the simple way of looking at these things? I mean, to an extent, yes, because there was a real change in the way that the sort of the citizen planner behaved. And, and I mean, in the 1920s, we built our cities around streetcars, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Cities that were alive and, and well at those times were really built around streetcars. Mm. And those streetcars were not publicly owned. They were typically privately owned. Um, it's why, you know, in, in New York, we have the um, DIRT versus BMT. You know, like there's, there's two right. different lines, right? Uh -huh. And then they merged and became public over time. Mm -hmm. um, and they just, they, it, the city was built around a really different place. And that's why you see cities that are older who have a sort of tighter knit than the cities that, you know, grew up in the car era, like, Phoenix versus San Francisco, mm. God, that kind of thing. So I think for me, one of the, the things that I notice is that uh, designing for, for the different, we call them modes of transportation, um, mm. whether you're on your bike or you're walking or you're transiting or driving is a lot like equity for, for people of different demographics groups right like if you are a cyclist you know what it feels like to be marginalized on the street mm. right you know you there's a lot of room for cars and everyone talks about how expensive it is to put in bike infrastructure mm -hmm. and i'm like how much money did you just put in you know spending money on that road right right like that that's a big deal mm -hmm. and the afterthought of cyclists and pedestrians is is problematic and this is true of us as black people or as immigrants or indigenous populations or people who are you know, physically disabled or any of those things. Um, so again, I feel like a lot of it should be, I was just talking about this yesterday with people because of course everyone's talking about equity now right. in the world because right. you know, it's a new thing. <laughs> it's so hip right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but a lot of the decisions about how cities are designed were made by, um, you know, the Robert Moses of the world. And now we're finally catching up again to, you know, looking beyond urban renewal and thinking about, oh, we should actually be planning for everyone and mm -hmm. think about who, who are the drivers of the world? What do they look like? So when we design our cities for cars, mm -hmm. those people are usually, not always, but usually more affluent, whiter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously this is the, the norm. So to, to sort of skirt past that and not realize that it's not just the, the method of transportation, but the people that are being marginalized to me is a, is a huge, huge deal. Mm. So man, Otto, <laughs> yeah. okay. You, you have something to say. All right. Ask your no, question. No, no, go, 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 sure. go for okay. it, man. There is, so I, I got out to this book a while ago and that I'm still finishing that he flew through and it was, and it was called range or it's, it's yeah. called range. And it's about mm -hmm. um, the power of generalists. I'm not sure if you've heard of this book, um, uh -oh. but it, you know, there are all these concepts of being able to um, 
uh, understand a bunch of different fields and how that makes you more um, more effective or more powerful within one field as opposed to just being a specialist. And so, you know, it feels like we've only been talking for like two minutes, but I'm sure it's whatever. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of that in what you're saying. There's the initial comment of like um, the art and the science and finding that balance between the two, which makes you, it sounds like amazing at your job. And then there's this whole thing that you really touched on about the combination of activism and design and sort of creating and creating voices in spaces by defining who benefits, which is, which is not the way we look at things. At least it's like, this street is clean. There's no graffiti. Mm -hmm. You know, that has the gentrification, and my wife calls it the gentrification typeface. You can tell when like something's been redone <laughs> and then, you know, the, you know, the, the <laughs> font that, that the numbers are always in. This yeah. is a nice neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I'm sorry, I asked really long two-part questions. Question number one, what are you, it feels like you're conscious of how you're combining these things. Mm -hmm. And at what point did that really crystallize for you? And then I'm going to ask you another question later on about like the top down versus the bottom up design. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was in, in grad school. Uh, I took a class. I didn't know anything about demand modeling and y'all are probably going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Sorry, yeah, what's demand what modeling? <laughs> what's demand modeling? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of decisions in transportation are made on forecasting for how many people will need to move around in a particular area based on the transportation network that is there and the land use inputs. So what is the character of the land use, the demographics of the people you expect to be living there, all of those different things. And that forecasting spits out numbers mostly about how many car, cars or drivers want to be in a particular area. Mm -hmm. And then it's our job to figure out how why the street should be, how many streets there should be. Um, a good planner is also going to think whether or not we should have, you know, buses or trains or bike lanes, all these different things. Like what are the other ways that people could get around? Um, my friends in the industry kind of refer to it like as the crystal ball sometimes, because it's like, this is what our future might look like. Right. And a lot of our decisions are made on that, that demand profile. And I asked a lot of questions about how that demand profile is built. Who, who's picking the algorithm? Mm -hmm. where, where are these numbers coming from? What, what's the coefficient of this variable? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what's going on with that? Mm -hmm. And this was in planning school. And at some point in that experience, I was like, oh, I need to go over there to the engineering school so that the people who are making these decisions understand that I understand them. I need to be able to talk to the engineers, the, the planners and policymakers, and the designers. I already had the design from undergrad. I was already in planning school. I was like, I need to get up on this engineering piece. Right. And that gave me an opportunity to understand like everything from forecasting to flow theory of like actual spaces to the, the actual nitty gritty engineering of like the civil works, right? Mm. And that was, I mean, I, I took some time off between undergrad and grad school because I was like, I need to do something that I'm extra super excited about or something that I'm like, I hate this so much, I need to fix it. Right. Guess which one this was. <laughs> and uh, when I finally figured it out, I was like, okay, th th this is something I can roll with. But I needed all, all of those pieces in my mind in order to, to feel like I could be effective.
And, and how did you, maybe this is a difficult question, but how did you at, at that tender age? Cause you know, that's what are you 22, 20, like grad school? No, I was like 20, I was 27 in grad school. 27. Okay. So yeah. like, like still that's a tender age. I mean, that's just right beyond where our brains have finally formed. Right. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was 27 and I wasn't like, <laughs> well, I need to go understand this better. So I'm going to actually like take some time off and figure that out. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So like, where did you, where did you get that, <laughs> I, I mean, that insight that like, where did you get that sort of maturity and that insight to like figure it out? Was that from just the passion of wanting to understand things? Yeah, I mean, I was that kid. We took a lot of family road trips when mm-hmm. I was a kid. You know, we would drive to, to family in Toronto. We would drive to family in North Carolina or, or in Florida, what have you. And I remember being like, why isn't the person in the front driving faster? Why, why are we doing this? Right. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. I was just like, can, is there a train we could take? Is, <laughs> is there some other way to do this where we don't have to sit in this traffic? Because, I mean, even right. on long road trips, you're driving like, you know, 10 hours, 20 hours, whatever, to get places. And you hit traffic for an hour that slows you down. You're just like, okay, now our trip is 25 hours, right? right. Like it, it becomes this big thing. Right. And it was always around the cities. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of my first opening to like, okay, this transportation thing is, is a thing. And then also some of the projects that I was working on, I was working in, I was working for the state of Massachusetts doing redevelopment of closed men's, mental institutions, these, their words. Um, okay. <laughs> and people were always like, we want like senior housing or some other thing. Cause they were like, oh, we don't want any traffic. Right. Every single project decision oh. was based on how much traffic it was going to generate. And I was mm. like, we need to figure out this transportation thing. That, mm. That's what I'm hearing here. Got it. So that the combination of like my upbringing and feeling like everybody should have this access to whatever they want to do and be. And also understanding that oh there are actual decisions we can make and plan for and someone is planning around these decisions and like running numbers and i wanted to understand how the numbers were cooked Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cooked. right (laughs) i wanted all of that info in my head right right. i wanted it all right and it it sounds like those numbers uh obviously don't take into account equity don't take into account all of the things that um i i I feel like this is at the basis of every single problem in the world right like they could yeah they could right they could yeah a lot of times they don't Mm -hmm. and why don't they i mean this is maybe a this is the you're leading up to oh my god you're teaching it up oh sorry it's the elephant in the room the elephant in the room. Yes, yes, because I, yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah. other day I heard about this term gentrification. How does that tie into the work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I ser- mean, seriously. Yeah. You know, I mean, what you're talking about, flow theory, transportation around things. If you, I remember hearing this Radio Lab podcast a long time ago and it, and it compared gentrification to ants and like the sugar trails that they leave. So, mm. um, you know, you're in this neighborhood, let's say you were in uh, 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 Bed-Stuy 15 years ago, you know, one really cool bar opens up that all the people, all of us, but other people start going to as well. So then that's one sugar trail. 
And then that mm -hmm. bar opens up and someone's like, oh, well, I'm going to open up this cool uh, vintage store next to it or this record store next to it. And then there's another sugar trail. And someone's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, this is cool. There's a bar record store. I'm going to open up a restaurant on that block. That block is great. Another trail. Then people are like, well, you know what? That place is the record store. It has the bar. Uh, it has the restaurant. Not a lot of people know about it. It's kind of cheap. I could live in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We'll start moving there. And then people start moving there. More people are moving there. And developers are like, man, this area is hot. We need to we need to develop this place. So, you know, that chain keeps yeah. happening. So then the population and the transportation needs of those areas shift. How does that affect what you do? And then, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like that idea of like the the bottom up of where people's desires or, or trends or tastes are going versus the top down of what the trans what the transportation needs were initially designed for and then how does you know how does municipalities think all right well property value is going up so we need to make this more accessible to people where do those two things meet and especially within your activism and it feels really deliberate your activism-esque approach to this work God, i have like so many ways to answer that question i think that's good <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> I think there are a few elements and, and they're, they're layered, right? Because I think part of it is um, I made a decision to do the, the work that I'm doing from within government, right? I've, I've worked in, in nonprofit and I've worked in consulting, um, but I spent most of my time in government. And part of it was sort of how do I, how, do, how can I change things from the inside? Mm -hmm. um, and how could I hopefully be a force for like who is, someone who is trying to think about all these different layers in a, in a different way. And I think part of it is when you think about gentrification, there's, there are market forces, but there's also like government investment forces. And so how, how and when and how much are different organizations investing in different neighborhoods? And when we think about, I think the, the classic things that I have been, um, you know, lambasted for in public, let's say, are um, parking regulations, I worked on a congestion pricing study in San Francisco. That was interesting, different discussion. Um, <laughs> and bike lanes mm -hmm. and uh, you know transit lanes as well. But I think people kind of get why transit is a good investment on its face in most cases, not always. Um, but people see, you know, you're building bike lanes in this neighborhood. It's because you expect, you know, young white hipsters to move in tomorrow, mm, right. Right? right? And my argument for that has <laughs> always been black and brown people have been riding bikes around their neighborhood for decades yep. eons like it's it's been a thing ever since bikes have been around right and right. the idea that we don't get to have safe bike routes is abhorrent to me right but i understand the fear of bringing gentrification behind it and so one of the issues is that we tend not to invest in you know lower income neighborhoods uh you know black and brown neighborhoods, you know, any, any kind of like marginalized group, we tend not to invest in those neighborhoods until they're about to turn. Mm -hmm. What if we didn't do that? What if we invested in them all the time mm -hmm, <laughs> when right. the need is there rather than when the demand is there, right? It's the market force demand versus the, like the, the actual need. And that's, that's that question of, you know, are we talking bottom up? Or are we talking exogenous or, you know, top down or all these different things. But I think that's, that's an element for me because, we should have safe bike routes. Right. We, we just should. Everybody yeah. should. Yeah. And are, are you saying that the, the, uh, the black and brown people within their neighborhoods are saying, we don't want those routes? 
we don't want bike lanes because we feel that will speed up gentrification will be oftentimes oftentimes so interesting and twisted yeah. in this weird way but if you think about it if you're in say crown heights and you know you see the bike lanes coming in and you also see you know people who look different from you coming in you you see those things as connected mm-hmm. yeah. you also know that they're not going to be you know bike lanes in, in east new york or brownsville or whatever for however long it takes for the the gentrification gentrification wave to get there right right that's that's something that a lot of people associate together true or not that's just a different discussion and so that's something that i think a lot of people worry about so i think we have to start investing in neighborhoods before that market wave hits them for people to start believing and trusting that this could be a thing right and and i i and it's also the, with the bike lanes and with, uh, as Kwaku said, you know, when that cool record store opens and when the cool um, uh, restaurant opens next door and all that stuff, then you're bringing in the tax money from the gentrification people. And that's what sort of elicits the bike lanes. And that's what, you know, you have that tax base, right? Um, and so again, we're always thinking of, well, who has the money, who has all the resources to motivate a bike lane or a new park? It usually is non-black and brown people, right? And so what you're saying is, fuck all that noise, right? Like, what are our taxes for, right? Are our taxes are our investment in communities? And why are, why are some communities getting instant rebate from that investment and you know, other com- uh, other communities aren't, right? Like the, where we grew up in New Rochelle, right? I always talk about my high school. Our high school was incredible, right? It was a public high school. And, and, and as I've said a million times on this podcast, we had a planetarium. We had a fucking planetarium, right? So if my mom and your mom and dad's money, tax money is paying for a planetarium, I'm like, that's awesome, right? Because again, you are giving our children, the next generation, uh, a, 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 a huge sort of resource of learning and education and, and what you want to be in your life. You're actually investing in the future. And what we're saying when we don't do it in Crown Heights or in East New York is we're saying you are not part of the future. You're not part of our investment. We don't care enough even to put a park in your neighborhood because it doesn't matter to the development of that people until a bunch of you know, hipster young white people decide, oh, I like that old brownstone that's falling apart and I'm just going to take some of my money and build it up. And then we start moving that money in. But still, even in that neighborhood, the people who benefit most from that coffee shop that now has $4 lattes is are the people that are moving in and the people that are were there the whole time don't get to really benefit from that because they can't even afford the latte, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many layers even of, of that discussion. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that we, our tax dollars don't pay for all of our infrastructure, mm-hmm. not by far, mm-hmm. right? And, and even that is an equity discussion um, and, a, and a lack of justice discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. when we talk about our roadways and, and our highways, we say we are investing in roadways and, and highways. And, mm-hmm. and when we talk about transit, we say we are subsidizing transit. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, there's a proportion of our taxes that go towards this, and there's a proportion of user fees that go towards this. Mm-hmm. But we, we say investment on one case and subsidy, subsidy on another case. Like, mm-hmm. that's not right. right. Right there, that's a problem. So all of the, the local tax base is used to leverage other funds, federal mm-hmm. monies, regional monies, 
uh, outside, you know, private sources, all those different things. So we, we have a, a basically a, just a baseline funding problem. But then on top of that, I mean, I think some cities do a better job of investing before the, the sort of the market turns and, and are more equitable. I actually think New York in some cases is one of those cities. Mm. Um, but there's a, a signal that developers get when the city decides to invest in a particular neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, whether that city is, is, you know, Toronto or Phoenix or San Francisco or Chicago or New York. It, it's just, that's how the market works. Mm-hmm. Uh, people see that the city is saying, oh yeah, we're going to spend some money here. And the developers are like, oh, something's going to turn here. Something's mm-hmm. going to happen here. Um, and in some cases, it's because the developers see that there is a market opportunity there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's always going to be chicken and egg. But to the extent that we can start making decisions, not just based on demand, mm-hmm. but based on need, mm-hmm. to me, that, that's where the, the turn is because the market forces are always going to be looking out for their own interests. And, and, right. and that's, that's as it should be. You know, if you're investing money, you want to make sure that you're protecting that investment. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, how can government and policymakers make sure that that investment is still equitable, that that investment isn't squandered and really engender more trust among the residents and, and people who uh, work in the area, shop in the area, go to school in the area, mm-hmm. uh, so that they understand that that investment is, is hopefully going to their benefit as well. Yeah, and I think that's the part that's missing. I mean, we get to how much I love Clinton Hill And the reason I love Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, is because I feel like it's a neighborhood. I feel like I belong here, even though I'm renting here. I still feel like this is my property. Um, It's I feel a part of this community. So when I see trash on the street, it's not something that I ignore. I I will even pick it up. I know my neighbors and there's a connection. It's easy. It's relatively easy to walk everywhere, even though Myrtle is a pretty busy street. um, it, It doesn't completely prohibit me from like walking around this neighborhood. And I think that's really part and parcel to why I think it's a great neighborhood. I think there's improvements that can be made um, with that sort of that idea of investment. And I guess the reason why I'm bringing myself up um, is because I also know that there are people who live in this neighborhood who have lived here far longer than me that might not feel that way because they don't get the same benefits I get, right? And, And that is, but that is like a logistic thing. That is not because I somehow am more deserved of, you know, this cool coffee shop across the street. It's just where my income level has to be and what part of the neighborhood I am in. If I walk two blocks this way, it's like, oh, those people are sort of crowded in this one place. And it almost feels like they're being fenced off in that one, you know, sort of area. Um, and so, I guess what this is leading me to is the the thing that I find fascinating about your work and your work, by the way, just sounds daunting. Like the, what you're talking about, there's part of me that's like, this is impossible. We're never, we're never going to be able to get a quote unquote perfect city just because there's so many damn forces that seem to be against what should be, I think, I think should be just what we do naturally because everybody benefits. Like, I guess that's where I'm, I'm at. I think that we are, we have, we have, uh, 
boy, I need more of my coffee because I'm just babbling. But no, you're on a roll, man. It's when, when I get excited about stuff, you, you know me, I just start like spitting, right? Uh, but we are at a point in, I feel, human history with technology and with medicine and everything that none of these problems are not achievable, right? Like all of these problems I feel could be solved tomorrow because we have the resources and the know-how. We just don't do it, partly because there are systems in place that are like turning around this huge Titanic of a ship to like start to center on the things that you're talking about is really hard. There's really institutions that have been around for hundreds of years that you'd have to sort of change from the ground up but it's not like we're saying it's not like back in the 20s we're like are we going to get flying cars now it's like we are at the point right now where all of these things can go away tomorrow um and i'm i'm wondering what does a perfect city look like to you if that's even a thing you stole my question oh i, mean, I did went so bad <laughs> I was my like, bad. i'm gonna ask it i'm gonna ask it no i'm kidding you're but you're always better at like you you, you can like you, you, like you quantify shit and you're really good at like a nice soundbite question that's really I'm and I'm always like yeah so anyway no, how do you no. get there um, no, so you got no, cars you, in the city right and then uh, how do you get a perfect city so anyway that's my question how no do you, you obama that you're like <laughs> you started oh and you you went deep on it where I was like wow. I, yes we can achieve all of these <laughs> solutions to these problems man that's my question but he's asking really well yes yes so, so yeah, good examples of cities that are doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on your definition of perfect. Mm. And I think that in and of itself is the problem. Mm -hmm. I am not one of those New Yorkers who thinks New York is the only great city on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, I love spending time in Kingston. I think one of the things with the pandemic that's killing me is I'm like, mm -hmm. I would like to go to Berlin and hang out with my friends in Berlin. I would mm -hmm. like to go to you know, visit my friends in Seattle and San Francisco. I mean, these are all great cities. And I, what I would say is think about the cities that you have a good experience, whether you are you know, riding your bike or walking or, or on the bus or in a car. Those to me are the cities that approach perfect. Right. Right, right? because you have the experience of getting around the way that you know, you prefer to get around mm -hmm. um, and those things work. Mm -hmm. And that to me is that definition, right? I, mm -hmm. I would like to know that when I get in a bus or on a train, I can get somewhere in a reasonable amount of time and that it's competitive with how long it would take me to drive there, mm -hmm. right? If it takes 20 minutes to drive somewhere and it takes an hour to get to that same place on the bus, the bus just isn't really a great choice for you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, and, and Otto has heard me make this refrain before, but I think a lot of people complain about their transit system. And I'm like, I need you to show up for your transit system. Mm -hmm. Transit right now needs a lot of money mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. And a lot of people in a few months or a few years are gonna look back and say, you know. Why, why do we have this crappy system? And I'm like, it's because we didn't fund it when it needed money. Mm -hmm. And we make the decision to fund our airline industry, our roadway industry, you know, fill in the blank industry. For some reason, we have been so battered and conditioned to think that the transit system is just taking our money and giving us nothing. But in all honesty, 
the transit system is an investment that we are basically not backing to the extent that we should. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason it's not doing well. But for me, the perfect cities are where your transit system is working as well as any other mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. Because how you get to school defines you in a way. How you mm. get to, to work, whether or not you can walk to the grocery store, all these things define how you experience your city. And, and to me, the perfect city is one where you can mm. do all of these things in a way that makes sense for today as well as the long term. You know, we're looking at climate crisis. We're looking at so many different things that we need to, to pay attention to. And it really does need to be something that we focus on. And I think a lot of people just kind of give it over because it feels very much like a, I don't, I don't even know what the right word is. I, I don't want to say black box because I, I feel like you can figure out what's in a black box, right? right, right. But um, I think a lot of people just feel like transportation is that other thing. Like I know how to build a bicycle shed. I know what I'm mm -hmm. doing. And I'm like, you know, there are experts who are trying to figure this out and they need our help. <laughs> um, yeah. We need your help. But at the same time, I think a lot of people, because they can see what's happening on the street, they're like, the answer must be this. Right. And a lot of times thinking about how the system works rather than how an individual works is, is where I think we get tripped up. You know, that was I'm, not really the answer to your question, but. No, yeah. no, I, I get it. But it, it, it also inspires my other thing because, uh, you know, Kwaku brought up that book Range, um, which I, I love because it's about you know, bringing a diversity of ideas to certain things. It's like, if you can't just like, and, and you kind of did it, right? You can't just talk to the engineers about building a city. You also have to incorporate the denizens of that city. You have to incorporate the artists. You have to incorporate every single person Absolutely. who might have just a different way of thinking about it. And I've always thought about cities and towns, like what if we thought about them as actual beings, right? So the circulatory system is what we're talking about, right? The transportation. Mm -hmm system how do you get the lead cells running through that system and um, there are plaque buildups on the artery of that system so if the the um, let's say the subway goes down right what effect does that have if your arteries go down what effect does that have on your body and if we start thinking about cities as actual like actual beings right um, and then we figure out what's the, what is the heart, was the circulatory system, what is the nervous system of this creature? Um, and we thought about it more holistically like that. I think that we could figure out, um, uh, I, I think it would be a better way to sort of strategize how to, you know, dedicate our resources um, to building a better city. Just like, how do you, if you want to get back into shape, what do you do? What kind of foods do you eat? What kind of workouts do you do? Do you get on your bike and all of that stuff? And I think that that's a cool way. And I would love to come up with some sort of um, like art project. This is, I've thought this for years, like some sort of art project, an installation or something where we could sort of represent that for people to understand. Because the other thing is, I think that what makes a perfect city is that most of the people feel like they actually belong to the city. And then they're, they're mm -hmm. not on the fringes of the city, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that's, again, why do I feel so close to Clinton Hill that I didn't bring in, uh, uh, that I didn't grow up in, is because I feel like I belong here. I feel like mm -hmm. I am part of this community. Um, and so I think there's, there's, psychology behind that. I think there's art, there's architecture, there's all of the all of the disciplines and some of the disciplines that you wouldn't even think of need to be brought to bear to things like to these kinds of big problems, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah. ooh, you you got me. 
Okay. You got me? Okay. The, uh, yep. See, now, now, now I'm awake. Go um, ahead, man. Go <laughs> ahead, man. I know it's early in San Diego, boy. I know. <laughs> I didn't know what that accent is, but I'm, I, but I have no idea what that was. And I, and I regretted it as soon as I did it. I was like, oh, like, boy. who is that? Yeah, yeah. It's almost two of the worst people to, to do that in front of I did. But yes. Okay, you got me with the concept of looking at uh, the transportation, looking at cities as, as beings mm-hmm. and thinking of them, as, you know, what happens when you aren't taking care of one of the systems. When you said that, it made me think of 9-11. I was teaching mm-hmm. Harlem. Mm-hmm. My, my sister was working at Columbia. My dad was in the Bronx and my mom was downtown. She was on 14th Street. Mm-hmm. And so 9-11 happened, cell towers go down. Um, no one's taking the subway. You see mass people just walking mm-hmm. to get home. You yeah, know what I mean? remember. Yeah. And and we're thinking about a city that is that is that is really designed well, even in like your your testimony there about how you feel like you're part of the city, and it's really easy to feel connected to different parts of New York, even if you don't have a car. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have a sense of the the size of it, but it feels huge because New York isn't that big. Mm-hmm. But it feels huge, and it also at the same time feels manageable because of public transportation. But when it goes down, how does New York feel? Super mm-hmm. inconvenient. Or even if you're traveling from one part of Brooklyn to another, not traveling from Brooklyn into Manhattan, but if you're going, you know, from Greenpoint to Fort Greene, and you're like, all right, well, I can take the G, or I can take the G. <laughs> I mean, I think there's like some sort of combination of buses. Yeah, uh, but. You know, the, the idea, so there are parts of your body, like, I'm just thinking, like, you know, you get older, like, your shoulder hurts. It's a part, something that happened there with mm-hmm. it that was never really fleshed out, and now the pain of it is flaring up because of the number of people. The other thing, Superstorm Sandy, where Manhattan was shut down because there's no power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so not mm-hmm. only did it affect everyone living in Manhattan, but most people in New York work in Manhattan. So, mm-hmm. like, lots of schools and businesses were shut down as a result. Um the idea of thinking of a city in that way is so is so amazing. And then also, you know, going back to something that Zabe said about um, it felt like there like us not being there for transportation. It really made me think about this connection between transportation and education as these two things that we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all you know children of immigrants. Where and 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 I I can't speak to Jamaica, but I know in Ghana school isn't free Mm -hmm. and there's there's a huge class system around school which 100% ties into transportation in cities Mm -hmm. there are people who never see the subway because they always have a car waiting for them Mm -hmm. I was just talking with a friend yesterday and she's like I was on the bus and I was talking to you I was like I wasn't on the bus I never took the bus in New York because Mm -hmm. I had this fear of missing my stop and having and going really far you know what I mean so that was the way I saw the city where it was on the subway or it was above ground, but I never saw it in a pu- from a public transportation view on, you know, on street level. And so it the way I existed in New York and the things that I did and how I connected with the city. Um, but it, in, in that same way, not being there for education, not being there for transportation, we take these things for granted. And the fact that so much of it is privately funded, like education. And if we're not there for it, at a certain point, it's in decay, and how it affects us from a societal from a societal uh, standpoint. And so, this is a long way of saying, uh, it, <laughs> right? It's such a long way of saying it. Never mind, I'm not awake. Um, you, Zabe, have such an important role in shaping society. Do you view it that way? 
yes. I mean, I say yes only because um, in the in that way, I should I should say. It is the reason that I'm so interested in transportation. I mean, I could have gone into any aspect of, of urban planning and urban design, but I do feel like it is, it is a thing that unites us. Everyone understands that you have to get from point A to point B or something else has to get to you, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you live on a farm, you, mm -hmm. at the very least, you got to get food, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a thing that unites all of us. Um, and I think it is, it should be an equalizer. It should be something that we all experience in a positive way. I mean, city streets are the, a huge proportion of public spaces in most cities. It could be, you know, 30%, 50% or more, depending on the size of your streets. And it's a resource that we don't really think of in, in that way as a resource. It's, it's just this thing that everyone basically loves or hates, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it should be loved. I think it should be enjoyed. I think people should see their public spaces as spaces that they are welcome to, spaces that they belong in, and spaces that they can shape themselves. But I, I mean, I think a lot of times, I think about my own experience growing up, and, and this is something that I cared about because I could walk to my neighborhood park. Mm -hmm. I could, you know, I could walk to the, the bodega on the corner. I could walk to, well, by the time I got to high school, I could walk to school. I was bused to school as a, as a young kid right. because New York yeah. and, <laughs> and many other states, let's be right. real. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's part of the reason that it's so interesting to me. And I think a lot of times I remember that I didn't know that I could be an urban planner when I was 10. Mm -hmm. And so it took me until I was like 27 to figure out this is what I want to go to school for. Mm -hmm. um, when, I was, when I was a kid, um, when I was thinking about going to school, I was like, maybe I should do a gap year or maybe I should just go to art school. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know about this thing. Like, I right. just want to go a totally different direction. Mm -hmm. And I, I often wonder if I knew that urban planning was a thing, if my path would have been a little bit straighter. Mm -hmm. I also think that you know, kind of going back to our original discussion as, as immigrant kids, it's this feeling like you got, you got to have that alphabet soup after your name, right? Go, yeah. go get you that grad school degree. Yep. You know, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I do wonder about that too, which is a different discussion. Um, and for me, it sort of became these two different branches of myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I often wonder if more kids knew that this was a thing that you could could do this when you're younger what what kind of world would we have in it and particularly more kids who look like us right yeah. mm -hmm. um and that's something that i know a lot of people are focusing on more and more now in the planning field how do you get young kids excited about it um, i have a few friends who focus specifically on urban planning in the schools um, i'd be happy to connect you at it with folks who are doing yes. this kind of work i love it um, um, both yes, of please. you, obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, this is something that I think about a lot. How do you explain to children what it is? And, and actually someone else from our high school invited me to talk to her second or third grade. I think it was a second grade class in the Bronx. Mm. Um, and I was like, how do I explain to seven-year-olds what it is that I do? And I was like, have you all played, is it Minecraft? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or SimCity? 
Sin like, City yeah, was, yeah. man, I love that game. Yeah, they're like, we love that stuff. Oh, that's so great. I was like, yeah. I do that for real. And they were like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. They're like, someone makes that decision, you know? And, and yeah. I went to my nephew's school in uh, Minneapolis on like engineer day or something like that. And I was like, you know, that parking lot behind your school, someone had to figure out how many spaces needed to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how people get around and, you know, what time of day kids are getting dropped off and how, why the street needs to be and all this stuff. And they're like, someone figured all that out? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's just not something that, that we incorporate into our curriculum. It's not something that we incorporate into, you know, just our understanding of the world. Like everyone knows what doctors are, what lawyers mm-hmm. are, whatever. I'm like, know what a planner is. Right. Come on, y'all. Let's get yeah. on this. No one an engineer does. Yeah. You know, like let's 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 get on this. Well, yeah, I think that I mean that like all one of the reasons I I wanted so badly to talk to you and still want to talk to you um, is that you're also very you're also very eloquent at being able to put figure out the meaning of these things, right? Um, there, you can really sort of have a tunnel vision in these things, like there's just doctors, there's just lawyers, and there's just engineers, right? And everything else is, you know, everything else is that other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like the mind that you have, um, and also the artistic bent of your mind, um, you know, facilitates your sort of like wide understanding of what the importance and the meaning of transportation. Because when you say transportation, people go, right? You think buses and buses suck and uh, right. But like when you when you contextualize it into why you love a neighborhood, why you like to live where you live. Uh, as opposed to why you don't like that other place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Transportation is part and parcel. A to B is how we work. It's like, I need to get over there. I need to get over there as easily and as efficiently. And I also want pleasure because the pleasure of that walk, the pleasure of that park, the 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 timeliness of that bus is very important to our well-being. Um, and the other thing is like, we didn't get to this, but... <laughs> it, this is a hard left turn because Zabe doesn't just urban plan, right? Zabe There's writes. More? Wait a minute. There's no, more. the woman writes, the woman cooks, the woman does all of this other stuff that I, I, I want to sort of develop some more. Um, but I realized that we got real sort of caught up in the, the transportation part, which is what I love. Um, but I just, I just, Number one, Zabe is a fantastic writer. I am her hype person um, because she she puts out things here and there, but like she needs somebody to be her flavor flave and be like, yeah, Zabe got a new book, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so like I I I I'm not even sure if we should go this far because we've already been on for about an hour and a half, I think, right? And yeah. I, I just want to make sure. Uh, Zabe, like, what are you doing tomorrow? Can we complain? I'm chilling. I actually blocked out some time. So if you guys want to talk now, we can do that, or we can talk tomorrow. It's up to you. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> it's, it's on y'all. I mean, it is it I mean, for me, it's not a hard pivot because yeah. I will just say that my creative outlets are what kept me sane mm-hmm. when I was going to meetings to talk about bus rapid transit in this or that neighborhood and people are like we don't want this project or congestion pricing which is always a non-starter right for you know people who are just like i don't understand why we have to pay for things that are already free and i'm like you pay for water 
you pay yeah, for electricity. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, to go into like, it first started with my jewelry studio, going to my studio and like bang on metal or like melt things and like create something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always been my outlet. And, and so for me, it's not so much of a hard pivot. Those two, mm-hmm. these two things are tied. I don't think I could function without that creative outlet in my day job. I, I don't think I would be okay. Because it's, made- it's not, it, y'all know, it's not easy. You have said this. It's yes. Not easy. Yes. You, you made this comment too about you wish you had knowledge of this role because maybe you'd have a straighter path. But it sounds like all these other, if you had a straighter path, your, your job wouldn't be as informed in the way that it is. I think so. And that's kind of what I was trying to get to. Yeah, yeah. yeah Essentially, that's the book so, that we keep sure. talking about. Because <laughs> we love because you're bringing all of that stuff into it, which yeah. is, which is I, I think brilliant. I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Otto, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this up to you. Like I, I have a heart out in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, so I can I can go for another 30. Or but Zabe definitely has to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just. I. I don't know if thirty will do it. Like, I wouldn't want to. Ha- you know, I wouldn't want to sure, cut that it. part off. Right. Yeah. I, I. I had this master plan where I was gonna pivot. Right. But like, oh, I totally messed you up. I just no, you didn't mess me up. It's just like <laughs> there's so much around um, just transportation and urban planning, and I think it's fucking fascinating that I could go on for hours about that, but then we don't get to the other aspects of Zabe that I love uh, as well. Um, so I think it should be a comeback thing it, rather okay. than like a 30 minute thing. That's that's my mistake because I'm like, man, you know? Um, so- Man, it, my friend is so interesting that we couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, we couldn't do it in <laughs> a half, an hour and a half. Um, I did not expect this to be the case. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Bobby started the podcast like, who are these fools? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So a, a, anyway, just so let's 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 call this uh, sort of the end, and then we'll have to bring Zabe back on for the other Quickly. stuff. Yeah. Quickly. Um, and I just I, I, I guess we've already sort of been over this really quick, but I, I, I it sounds like in all of these things and all of the guests that we bring in, especially with um, the people that we bring in from your side of the camp, which is like the education and sort of like the impact of society. And I think that what I think some of us are beginning to gather um, in the pandemic, because um, the pandemic is showing us, I think, aware people that it's not just us, right? Like, I can't just care about myself. I can't just be concerned about just myself and my family. Everybody around me has an impact on my well-being, right? And everybody being able to live in a place that they love and feel like they belong in that place um, and feel like they contribute and they feel like that they are a important part of that society or that group is just a natural human thing that we haven't we are only now, I feel like, beginning to figure out with people like Zabe, right? Zabe didn't go into urban planning saying, I'm going to build these roads and make them as efficient as possible and blah, 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 blah. She's actually trying to understand the full human aspect of this and the full human impact of it. Because at the end of the day, 
all of us live on this planet together and we all have to share and distribute resources um, and we and and we can all do it together right and there's plenty to go around i still think there's plenty to go around where there shouldn't be anybody that's hungry there shouldn't be anybody that's homeless there shouldn't be that anybody that does not have access to a park right we have the money the know-how the resources we just need to get people like Zabe into more places where they can actually institute those things, which is why, again, Zabe for transportation secretary, I don't know what Joe Biden is doing, but I'm going to give his ass a call and be like, yo, you, you have his number? I'm going to get Yeah, do you have his number? I'm just what, what is happening out. right now? I know I have some connection somewhere that has a connection to a connection. I know I got that. So I'm going to try to make that stuff work because this is the kind of stuff we need. I know Kamala's cousin Ray Ray, and he owes me a little bit of money. All right, if it's that, if it's Ray Ray, too. we do that you know. too. It's <laughs> only if it comes with a, a jewelry studio, so I could melt some more metal yes, on the side because yes. that's that's a stressful job, yo. Yeah. That is I, a stressful job. And that's the other thing I forgot about the jewelry stuff. I, I mean, I really, I mean, there's so much stuff that Zabe does that yes, we have to we have to bring you back. We have to bring you back. That's just we, we have to do. So we got to. Can I can I add one thing to yes, what please. you said? Please, I think that uh, you know, we all find little ways of doing this of of of, of either creating meaning or uh, or creating opportunities for people to feel meaningful. I've never seen a clearer uh, example of this that is also at the same time invisible, helping people to feel meaningful by connecting them to spaces. It sounds like mm. literally mm. The, the access to spaces, being able to walk places and then building connection. And when you build connection in those communities, you feel seen, you feel heard, you know, whether it's, you know, going to your favorite coffee shop or, you know, being, you know, whatever the case is, I was thinking here in San Diego, you don't think of this as like a, a a place that's designed as, as like an urban center, but there are three parks that I can walk to with with my kids. Some are further away. They're all kind of different. There are other parks I can drive to, but the three parks that are walking distance away. Mm. I've never had that anywhere mm. else that I've ever lived. Wow. And when people say, oh, what do you love about San Diego? I was like, my kids love it. We can be outdoors as much as we want. But the idea that that's how I feel connected to this neighborhood. So that's mm -hmm. how I feel meaningful. That's how I feel attached mm -hmm. through my family and that that access and i've never thought of mm. urban planning in that way until mm. this conversation mm. i i appreciate that so much i appreciate both of the statements that y'all made i think one of the things that i think is fascinating about cities like san diego is most cities have that we just have forgotten that that is that is our main street that's our sort of core area and the neighborhoods that most people love in any of their cities are those neighborhoods where you can just walk around and enjoy them. And especially during the pandemic, when people are yeah. thinking, you know, I, I need to take a walk today. Yeah. I need to get outside. I need to do mm -hmm. something. Having access to that kind of neighborhood is, is critical. It, it's crucial. And having yeah. access to parks and figuring out a way to make sure that, that every neighborhood has that, that every, you know, every resident of every demographic has that is something that I think we could always be doing better. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to remember that this exists in so many cities and it's usually the thing that we are trying to get back to. Mm -hmm. When we think about you know, how cities are growing and changing, we're usually trying to recreate that kind of feeling if we're doing it right, if we're doing it well. Um, and it doesn't always look exactly the same and it shouldn't. There should be some element of, of difference in cities, but 
the ability to, to have fun with your kids and to, to go to the park and to have options and things like that. That, that's, that to me, that that's the, the golden ring right there. Mm. Wow. Well, I, damn. I mean, you're talking about the cooking. I have another thing. I'm not even, I'm not even going to go there. I'm, can, I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying it, but, I'm, but we can do the outro. Can I just say it and we can do the outro? Yeah, so, you say it, I do the outro. I'm also going to say hashtag butter blondies, butter brown blondies. That That's something for later, but go ahead. Go <laughs> hashtag. Ha, oof. And we can't talk about it, but the idea, especially with the pandemic, people leaving major cities, they can work virtually and all of that. And then how that's affecting what I'm calling these, whatever, secondary cities, whatever the, whatever that even means, but a city like Cincinnati, you know, which is not something you would see as glamorous, but they have a huge airport. You know, mm -hmm. they have plenty of spaces. They have all these areas that are being, um, that are being gentrified or redefined, however you wanted to describe it. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea of, of um, getting back to that as as population shift due to what's mm -hmm. happening. Like that's to me, that's like I feel like a whole other like hour that we could go into. Yeah. But that's what I was thinking about when you said that. Oof. Mm -hmm. Oof. Okay. Um, Ooh, okay. You, sir, yes. with the denim kimono. Yes, sir. Rock that kimono. Yes, sir. I, 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 I just love that on so many levels. Um, okay. Sir, what, what is your name? Who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I am Kwaku, um, and who have we had the distinct pleasure of learning from, being inspired by, and being frustrated in a way by because we can't cover everything. Who have we had? <laughs> who have we spent this amazing 10 minutes, hour and a half? It feels like 10 minutes to me. Who have we spent this time with? My I'm good Zabe friend. Bench. Yes, she's Zabe Bench. Yes. <laughs> Let her do it. Let her do it. Zabe Bench, y'all. Zabe for president. That's what I no, want. Sir. Yeah. Okay. Not okay. Transportation secretary. That's what we want. I mean, y'all have to remember, I'm an immigrant. I can't be the president. Come on. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you were born yeah, Governor. 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 Of New York. Come on back, girl. Come on back. What's it like going from living in New York and moving to Atlanta with the work that you do and how you see the? Let's meet for yeah. sweet siesta. High was the sun when we first came close. Low was the moon when we said All right, man. Adios. You know, uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to break things up into two bits because um I, I find her fascinating and uh me I'm trying to find this I'm trying to find this idea of what cities and living spaces are and she's one of the smartest people that I know personally um that can speak to that stuff and I got carried away because we didn't even get into the arty art stuff that she does so we got to break this all up into two art. episodes yeah, it's all, all it's art. art. It's all art, but it's and it's like, good carried away, man. I yeah. mean, this was, I mean, yeah. like you said, this was a little different than what we've done in the past, mm -hmm. and that's great because mm -hmm. that means we're still pushing, we're still making those connections. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with it. Yeah, let's yeah. let's break it up. Yeah.
magic we can feel it about to happen but something beyond our control it got in the way